Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a very special return guest. Uh, he was here last week, and he's here again. It's a very familiar name to us. <laughs> Hi, I'm Frank Oz. Welcome to my podcast <laughs> about my movie. It is not Frank. Wow, Frank. I am not Frank you sound, Oz. So, you sound Frank so Oz. much like. I know. You, sound, you could hear the mustache, can't you? Yeah, you sound just, just like him. Waiting for you to talk about going to the store to buy a can of beans. Um, no, I, I am not Frank Oz. My name is Joe Hennis, and I am the co owner and editor in chief of toughpigs.com, the greatest Muppet fan site that ever was. It's true. It is true. It is a thrill to have Joe Hennis back for an eighth go round. Yeah, but uh, like, wouldn't it be like so much better if Frank Oz was here? I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yes. I would love to ask Frank Oz about minutes 39 and 40 of The Great Muppet Caper, uh, in which Kermit asks for a tour of Piggy's house. She shows him around, and then they ask Neville for a restaurant recommendation. So we, <laughs> that's what happens. That's, I know, but it sounds so boring. <laughs> well, well, that's... Like, well, that's in a Muppet movie. We talked... <laughs> We talked last week um, about how the those two minutes of just Dorcas and Neville are super boring, and that's what's hilarious about them. But at, right at the beginning here, um, Kermit and Piggy come walking in. You know, he she doesn't want to doesn't want him to come inside, and he's just kind of like, "Oh, we got time. I'd love to see your house." So they go in. As they're walking in, we see an out of focus John Cleese notice them and then get up to follow them. Focus stays on Kermit and Piggy the whole time, not on John Cleese, who is just in the background. And to me, it's like a sign that this is the Muppet, that like, this is a Muppet movie again, that the John Cleese movie of the past several minutes is over. He's a background player now. Kermit and Piggy have reclaimed it, just just like they did with uh, Mel Brooks in the last movie. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I just love the way that shot is is composed. And um, yeah, like they, they go past him and you don't even really see him at first because he's out of focus in the background and then after kermit and piggy have passed by him that's when you kind of notice him and, and like i don't know if you guys talked about this before um with with john cleese's uh uh debut in this movie but like one thing i i really love and and that shot actually is a really good example of this is the fact that like everything else that i've ever seen john cleese in he is like the loudest craziest character like he screams like even on his muppet show episode like the whole thing is in basically like like screaming and making his eyes as large as possible. Hmm. And here it's like, not only is he like boring and old, but like he's out of focus and like, we kind of like don't care what he's doing right now, which is fascinating to me. Like that's like, it's such a a turn for, for that, that, uh, that types that he usually plays. That's true. Where, and also uh, Basil Fawlty on his sitcom, uh, Fawlty Towers is sort of, uh, tries to keep it together, but is always increasingly frazzled and frantic. So that's, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's really interesting. Yes. And also, well, the, there's one other role where John Cleese was as low key as this. And that was the sitcom Wednesday, 30 central <laughs> in which he played the boss and his only interest was in getting that paycheck after each episode. And he was Boy, not invested in that role. That, was at one all. Of the, that has to be one of the worst titles in television history. It's, it's memorable. Then, it's because, memorable, but but then of course the show did get moved. Right. So then it was <laughs> no longer even at Wednesdays. Right. But they, they, 
then ABC changed the name to My Adventures in Television. Which is not much better. No, it's much worse. It's like, it's bland. Yeah. But anyways, John Cleese was the boss on that, and he was not uh, not very uh, high energy on that just, one either. Just cashing I mean, those like, checks. Here's, the truth is, is like, like John Cleese has, has been kind of dull in other things as well. And and I'm, I'm saying this mainly because I'm not a fan of these movies. Um, but like when he played uh, Q in the James Bond movies, like I don't remember anything he did or said. Like, yeah, he wasn't that. He wasn't great yeah. on that. But that also yeah, has more to do with the fact that like there too. he's an old man now. You know, like he, right. he can't like jump up and down on a you know and scream at people in the face. Like he, he just wants to cash that paycheck, son. Mm-hmm. Like he did on Wednesdays, eight thirty, seven thirty Central, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and I don't want to sound like I'm down on John Cleese. Like I've said previously, huge Python fan. Think he's one of the great comedic geniuses of the 20th century. And here, at least, his his low-keyness has a purpose, unlike some of that more recent stuff. Yeah, it's hilarious. A, a, a higher-energy performance would not make sense or work at all here. No, right. it would make it worse, to be honest. Right. Well, and, and some of that stuff, like, um, you know, we see Kermit and Piggy. We see him follow Kermit and Piggy. He pulls out a fire poker. <laughs> he's, yeah. like, he's brandishing a fire poker when he opens the closet on them. Yeah, it's like he almost does something interesting. <laughs> right, right. Like, like and then he's gonna then, fight, but like nothing, nothing happens. Right. And then immediately apologizes in the most like low-key British way. He just goes, <clears throat> sorry. Uh is is there anything at all I can do for you? Yeah, when he finds them having broken into his house, hiding in his closet, he apologizes to them. Right. And then and then offers to uh give them help of any kind, <laughs> which I think is so funny. Yeah. It's very British. Yes. Um, like it Indeed. reminds me of um, in uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation when they keep injuring Eric Idle and Eric Idle <laughs> keeps apologizing to them. Yeah. Right. Like, and he's no, no, just no. like very cheerful about it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Now, are there any instances of yep. Michael Palin playing a role like that? Hmm. Michael Palin played that role often on Monty Python. Like he's yeah, he's, yeah. he's offering the, the cheerful, long suffering guy actually on Python. You know? That's true. I just wanted to name another member of Monty Python. Sure, uh, they're all good. Yeah, I like all. I like all six of those guys. Yeah, Ter- Terry Gilliam a, l- a little less recently, maybe, but that that guy has some opinions that he I don't understand. Sometimes old people should just not voice their opinions. That's right. But uh, uh, Terry Gilliam's not in this. But you know who is Kermit and Piggy? So yay! What are what are they doing while John Cleese is is? tiptoeing around the house after them. Um, Piggy is giving Kermit uh, a tour. A whirlwind tour. A whirlwind tour, like he says. And what I love is that when Kermit asks who John Cleese is, Piggy says, oh, just some sort of servant. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought the butler was discharged. Oh, oh mm. dude, plot hole. But yeah, like this. Putting, like, in, putting in the goofs on IMDb. Oh, but like, that's <laughs> like, like, let's like, is that poetic irony that the butler was discharged and then he becomes the butler? John Cleese oh, wow. becomes, Neville is transformed <laughs> into, and uh, of course, uh, other highlights of the tour, Piggy points out a chair and some walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I want to mention the the music uh, that's playing throughout this whirlwind tour really enhances it. It's just this kind of like it's whimsical, kind of like the big red bus music earlier when they were when they were taking the bus to the hotel. But it well, it's also very like okay, come on, let's go, let's go. And it has samples of "Stepping Out with a Star" in it. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's riffing on that. Yeah, which I think yeah, helps. Da, 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 ba, da, ba, da, ba. Yeah, because like now he's he's stepping out with the star into her beautiful home at 17 Highbrow Street. Indeed. Well, he's, stepping, he's stepping in with a star. He's stepping in with this. That's what it. That should be the title of that song on the soundtrack. <laughs> um, this this music is actually included on the soundtrack. It is entitled "The Apartment." That's my favorite Jack Lemmon movie. It's <laughs> cool. that's all. That's my favorite Jack Lemmon movie too. Yeah, we should no, we was... should watch the Billy Wilder movie "The Apartment" and cue up this song on a loop and see if it matches. <laughs> <laughs> well, the song's only fifty five seconds long, so, <laughs> so we just watch what if it. Joe Raposo had written the score for "The Apartment." What would that sound like? Yeah. A little something like this. It would just be like, everybody cheats, right? Uh, yeah. It's right, it's right there. Okay. All right. Joe Raposo. Um, so then Kermit and Piggy enter the drawing room. And Ryan, it's my understanding that you have some very intense thoughts about the drawing room. Well, here's the thing. No, I just realized I did not actually know why a drawing room is called a drawing room. Ooh, why so, is it? Well, I looked it up on Wikipedia. It's it's not because it's where artists would go to draw. Um, according to Wikipedia, the name is derived from the 16th century terms withdrawing room and withdrawing chamber, which remained in use throughout the 17th century uh, as a room in which the owner of the house, his wife, or a distinguished guest who was occupying one of the main apartments of the house could withdraw for more privacy. So, um, you know, we've we sort of established that Neville and Dorcas, nobody really comes to visit them. It's just the two of them. So they don't really need a, a drawing room. Their, their whole house is a withdrawing room. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, there it is. So um, I learned something today. Fascinating. <laughs> that all I had written down in my notes is what's a drawing room, and you you answered the question. I just answered. Ryan, it. Ryan knows well, and I, I guess as long as we're talking about this kind of stuff, we're kind of we're kind of hopping around, anyways. They ask Neville for a recommendation of a restaurant, and he says the Dubani Club. Uh, that's not so much a restaurant, more of a supper club. So I was wondering what the difference is between a restaurant and a supper club. Oh yeah. So so I looked that up. And uh, apparently, supper clubs offered live music or entertainment, and restaurants just served food. Okay, so I, that's and and which, which fits with what we see later, where I they was are. Say, in based on what we're about to see, I would assume a supper club is more expensive. Also, sure, yeah, but yeah, it was it was that they offer live music or entertainment along with the meal. Yeah, you guys, okay. I I am like no joke. This is the most educational podcast I've ever listened to. I'm learning <laughs> so much. Take that, why, how stuff works. certain rooms are called certain things and other rooms are called other things. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Distinguishing One Type of Room from Another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and last week we did 20 minutes on calves foot jelly, so we're teaching all kinds of things. Yeah. And we, we also talked about the apartment, which has rooms in it. So, Ooh, all right. Indeed. So, um, anyways, he suggests the Dubani Club and Miss Piggy says... Thank you, Jeeves. <laughs> so he's he she calls him the butler, which we've established that the butler was discharged. But Jeeves, of course, is a reference to the Jeeves and Wooster stories by uh, P.G. Woodhouse. Right. That's I, the reason why when you think about butlers, everyone thinks that butlers should be named Jeeves. I thought Jeeves it was because of the website AskJeeves.com. Well, well, Ask Jeeves is named after Jeeves from Jeeves and Wooster, which oh, is... Dude, that was my joke, though. Yeah, I know, but... but <laughs> But what <laughs> I was, what I was saying, I'm just referencing a website in 1981. 
But you know what they also weren't referencing in 1981? Tell me. The TV show Jeeves and Wooster starring Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. Because that hadn't didn't what, what start that? yet. That was 87, I want to say. Hmm. Um, but they, they made a TV show out of those stories where uh, Stephen Fry played Jeeves and Hugh Laurie later um, house from TV's house. Uh, it was uh, 1990, by the way. Was that 1990? Yeah. Was, was a bit of Fry and Laurie 87? I bet it was. I'm looking it up. Yes, 87. Yeah, so that's that's why I had that year in my head. Makes sense. Anyway, that show was fun and it was good. If you like if you like charming British comedy from the 80s, uh, from the 90s. Like, if you like characters named Jeeves. Yeah, which this movie um, doesn't have. Two actors, which have, yeah. have either, I don't think either uh, of those actors from Jeeves and Wooster have uh, have worked with the Muppets, have they? Seen Pride and Glory. I don't think so, which is a shame in both cases. Laurie hasn't done one of those uh, Sesame Street, like Word of the Day or something like that. Um, I don't know. Let's let's find out um, as I say the sentence very slowly. Uh, so it looks like Hugh Laurie um, was in the Creature Shop film 101 Dalmatians. Doesn't count. And in Stuart Little 2. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen Fry, meanwhile... Looks like he met Kermit and oh, so first of all, he he narrated Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is a Hitchhiker, which is a Henson Company film, uh, and he was a voice in Mirror Mask, another. Henson oh Company right, uh, and that counts. Looks like he met Kermit and Piggy at the UK premiere of The Muppets in 2011, and he asked Kermit, uh, "How often a day do you gargle to keep your tenor tones so supple?" And Kermit said, <laughs> I gargle with fresh swamp water three times a day, and two times a day, Piggy grabs me by the neck and shakes, keeping me supple and rattled. That's pretty wow. good. Um, but it's, it still is a shame that there's not more. I would have loved to have I seen mean, Like I, wanna, I want them to do, I mean, both those actors are, first of all, great actors, but also hysterical human beings. So right. I, I am disappointed that they, um, uh, that they haven't done something more, I don't know, like bigger with the Muppets. They should have gone on the Jim Henson hour together. Yeah. It, Cause that show was a big hit that ran for a bunch of years in my, in my world. Yeah. Mine too. <laughs> uh, so anyways, moving on, they think uh, G- Miss Piggy thanks Jeeves. And then the last thing we hear in these minutes is John Cleese. Uh, Dorcas walks up and says, you know, I can't remember exact, but she asked him and he says it was, she says, Neville, why are you staring into the closet? And he said there was a uh, pig. And she says, the one who was climbing up the side of the house. And Neville says, that's the chap. That's the chap. And that's the last thing we hear here. Now, Joe, I'm so glad you're here. Me too. And <laughs> because, let me tell you my yeah. excitement. Because when, you, when, when, I, when you sent me this clip and uh, I was waiting for that moment and I saw that the, the little thing was like the bar was getting closer and closer to the end and then we heard john cleese say that's the chap and then it cuts and i was like thank god that's the chap made it into my well, minute the, the the listeners might not know that that's the chap is your catchphrase it's kind of my catchphrase uh, a, a while ago um the question was posed on the topics forum of of what muppet line do you find yourself saying over and over again um and I thought about it for a while, and I realized I say that's the chap all the time. You you say it because of it. You say it all the time, and you say it in reference to things that are not chaps. Like, yeah. like, like I will say, like, oh yeah, remember in Green Lantern number thirty-one, and you'll be like, that's the chap. Yeah, totally. Because I'll well, I'll use, I'll misuse it. I'll say, uh, I'll talk about when use it when when I'm talking about a human being, 
uh, I'll use it when I'm talking about something that is not a human being. Like uh, if you know, you're like, oh yeah, that was in you know Green Lantern number five, 151. You'd be like, yes, that's the chap. Uh, I'll also use it incorrectly for like that's the rub. Like ah, like that's like you got me. <laughs> that's the chap. <laughs> yeah, and I have so, seen you so, do this on the internet, and I've also heard you say it in real life. Yeah, no, it's not just a thing I type. I definitely, yeah. definitely, hundred percent say it out loud, and especially like I say it to people who. I'm, I guarantee do not know what the reference is. That's and, fun, isn't and it? And no one's ever asked me about it, by the way. <laughs> I mean, Muppet fans get it. Like, like they're like, oh, that's the, that's the line from from uh, Great Muppet Caper. But like, yeah, I've never had someone go, "That's the chap." What the f- are you saying? <laughs> I said, "That's the chap." That's the, that's what I was saying. <laughs> that's, that's that's the thing. Um, so, yeah. but 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 he, but here's my question, then, Joe. How yes. did like why do you know why you started that? Do you, do you know the I, origin? don't i i that's a really good question and i wish i had an answer but i i I kind of have a vague memory of like it may have been one of those things where like i was having a a text conversation with someone like a muppet fan and and it came up where i was supposed to i my i was gonna say like yes that's that's the person we're talking about and i said that's the chap and it just felt natural like that. That kind of, <laughs> It's just like, yeah, like that, that works. And it, it's also not like, you know, a Muppet quote that's so obviously a Muppet quote. I'm not saying bork, bork, bork or, or like, you know, it's not easy being green or whatever. It's like, oh no, you kind of, <laughs> you kind of got to know if you're going to get I, that reference. I think maybe the first time I heard you say it out loud was we were trying to remember the name of an actor or identify an actor who we saw on tv or in a movie and then like i i suggested what i thought was the name and then you were like ah that's the chap yeah i don't so, do it with a british accent for, for what it's worth right <laughs> which was actually relevant in that case but i that's i i think that's the first time i remember hearing yeah. or seeing you say it that seems like a thing i would do and i you know yeah i used it correctly and right. <laughs> the way in that one case john cleese meant it to be to be used but yes and i i actually i suggest everyone start saying that's the chap i don't want to claim any ownership over it i think everyone should should get out there and start using it it should become part of the uh the the public lexicon absolutely i am i am very much on board with that so um as i mentioned this brings us down to the end of these minutes do either of you have any final thoughts before we go joe i'll start with you yeah i got i got a couple things so um uh when uh neville opens up the uh the closet door and finds Miss Piggy and Kermit actually right before he opens the closet door. So we see them inside the closet and the, there's light coming in through the slats in the door. And um, you see John Cleese's feet like kind of come up right, right before he opens it. And in that moment, it like I realized they are really close to the floor. Like it looks like uh, John Cleese's ankle is like at the same level as Kermit's neck. So it's like they ran in and then like crouched down really far, I guess. Well, Kermit is very short. He's really short, but he's not that short. Yeah, yeah I guess they um, they do tend to cheat the heights of the Muppets. Yeah, right. Understandably, like Rizzo and Fozzie are the same height if they're standing next to each other. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and like if they're full body, Fozzie is like could step on Rizzo. Yes, yes. and Riz- or Rizzo's feet would just be floating in the air. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the the other thing about that that closet scene is um, so when we look into the closet. Uh, we see um, some sheets and a lot of towels and stuff and everything's very brightly colored and there's like a lot of pastels and pinks in there. And it just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to like match the aesthetic of the rest of this house that we've seen. Hmm. And maybe that's just me. Like, but the, this seems like the kind of thing that like 
like a suburban house would have of like, oh, all these bright towels that the kids use that we don't care if it gets stained. But like they're not like fancy people towels. Yeah, you would expect something more drab. Yeah, something monogrammed maybe. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Look, Dorcas has to have her fun somehow. That's true. She's had nothing to do but look at those towels for the last 12 yeah, years. Yeah, last 12 years. So don't just, just let the woman have her towels, man. That's all. Um, that, that's all I had about the uh, <laughs> the closet. Hiding it. <laughs> all right, Ryan, how about you? Um, I have a, a few little things. Uh, when John Cleese is stalking them through the house, there's a moment where he opens a door very quickly and looks around. And then he looks up. As if he thinks they might be on the ceiling. <laughs> I just like that little bit of business. Yeah, that's um, good. Also, I just noticed watching it this time that Kermit has his little top hat under his arm the whole time they're running through the house. So that's um, a nice little touch. Oh, that's Kermit cute. is holding yeah. his top hat under his arm, and Piggy is still holding the um, the corsage box. The box, yeah. Yeah, she's holding the, yeah, the gift box in her hand when they open the closet door. Uh, and then I have one thing from the July 22nd, 1980 draft of the screenplay, which was uh, after Kermit and Piggy leave the room... Uh, in that draft, Piggy comes back in to say to John Cleese, if I can just say one thing, you're a very nice man, but probably the most boring person in the world. Oh, yeah, and they didn't I, need it. They didn't no, need I'm it. glad they cut that because that's, you know, they say show, don't tell. So <laughs> can it, you yeah, imagine? that would be completely unnecessary. Like if they let that line in and then you're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> right. Oh, he's boring. <laughs> like, ah, Piggy told him. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was uh, that. He was a cool guy. Fascinating. Yeah, he thought that was the point of the scene. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then otherwise, just I, I'm just kind of realizing watching this movie two minutes at a time. Jim Henson was a very good director of comedy. There are just a lot of shots that are framed just the right way, like the one we talked about earlier, where John Cleese was out of focus in the background, or um, here where it, you, you are the camera is shooting from inside the closet, looking out as John Cleese is kind of staring into it, and then Dorcas enters the frame from, from off screen. Um, just seems like the funniest way to shoot that. So um, I, I think it yeah. also helps that he um, he knew who, like what type of people to attach to these these roles, because yeah. like, I mean, like if this was someone else, like if this was like a Steve Martin type of, of comedian, then like he'd be all over the place and he'd be, you know, sucking up all the energy you know, to which is not necessarily a bad thing. It just would have been like not, not his vision at all. And John Cleese, I guess he just knew like, oh no, he's gonna play it at maximum comedy, but but minimum energy, which is a hard yeah. thing to do. Yeah, and he yeah. So Jim chose good collaborators, both cast like John Cleese, and then also crew. You know, like the cinematographer Oswald Morris and and other camera operators to to shoot this in the funniest way possible and it worked yeah it's great um one thing that i forgot to say i'm actually going to add a final note because i forgot to mention i really like the dynamic between kermit and piggy here like it feels very much like a first date Mm. like they're especially like she is showing him around her house as far as he knows Mm -hmm. and she doesn't really say much Cause she doesn't know anything. Cause she doesn't live there. And he Kermit plays like Jim plays it. Like Kermit doesn't really know why she's doing this, but sure. I think she's neat. So I'll go with it. 
Mm. You know, like he, he has this very like, this is odd, but this woman is intriguing. So sure, I'm having well, a good like, time. Energy. When she pulls him into the closet and he says, he, he the first thing he says is nice. Nice. Dark, dark, but nice. But nice. Yeah, like, like that. Exactly. Yeah, he's just trying to be nice about it. I, right. I think it also helps he, that this is like a rare uh, case of Piggy uh, courting Kermit, but not being overly aggressive about it. Yeah, true. That's a good point. Yeah, it's well, we've never like this whole movie, this like rom com dynamic between them yeah. is very different from I mean the general the usual dynamic between them, as we know, on the Muppet Show is that like they're fighting all the time. Kermit doesn't want anything to do with her. So in the movies they have to make them into an actual couple. And this is the one where it feels the most natural, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the most balanced. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it it feels natural in the sense that it feels real. Like it feels like these are two people who are meeting and having genuine affection for each other. Um, I, I do think that, you know, it's odd, not bad by any means, but it's odd to see like, you know, that they are kind of like flirting and matching with each other. And, and like, it's not going horribly wrong, you know, yet, but like, you know, every other uh, example of Kermit and Piggy together is them kind of at each other's throats until right. they're not, you know? Right. One of them is being mean to the other or they're both being mean to the, to each other. <laughs> right. Right. And like, that's just their dynamic. I mean, you know. Right. Although, uh, although we should say, of course, the Muppet movie doesn't really have that either. You that's know, true. I mean, she does, she does ditch him on their date because she gets a phone call from her agent. Right, but he's smitten with her from the beginning. Right, he, he right. is, but like she's also like being really aggressive toward him. Like, well, like, yeah, she comes on strong, but he's into it. Yeah, she's basically on top of him. Right, yeah. right. And this one, they just like kind of make goo goo eyes at each other, and then they like, go on a nice date. Yeah, and it's pretty good. It's a good one. It's great. Yeah, it's just it's just different. That's all. It's very different. It's its own thing. Um, so, Joe, as, as you know from last year, um, one of the things we like to ask all of our guests is like like. What's your history with the Great Muppet Keeper? Do you remember the first time you saw it? I definitely don't remember and... the first time I saw it. I must have been pretty young. Um, as as you can imagine, I was introduced to the Muppet movies at a very young age. Um, but I do I have a very vivid memory of uh, when the uh, those green clamshell uh, VHS tapes came out, which I'm sure a lot of people are mentioning on this podcast. And um, uh, my uh, my dad's friend uh, Marty, who was like. Uh, the guy who I, I accredit to making me a Muppet fan because um, we used to watch like Sesame Street together every afternoon and stuff. And uh, uh, so he's like, I'm going to buy you one of them. And there were, you know, two of them that came out at the same time was the Muppet movie and Great Muppet Caper. And he said, which one do you want? And like, I, I was a kid. I didn't really know. Like I, I knew the movies, but I didn't, I really didn't know them well yet. Um, Cause I didn't have a way to watch them over and over again. And uh uh, I said, I want the one where they um, they fly down on parachutes because I remember that scene. And so he bought me the Great Muppet Caper. So this was the first one, the first official copy of a Muppet movie that I owned. Um, not counting the, I had Muppet Sick Manhattan that was taped off of TV that I watched a million times. Um, so that might, that's my earliest memory of this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't remember the first time I watched it. And the funny thing is, is that once I got my hands on the Muppet movie, which is which soon after, and I could watch all three Muppet movies whenever I wanted. Um, this was actually always my third favorite. And I think the big reason uh, behind that was the fact that like, I didn't understand most of the old movie references. Um, Cause I did not grow up like knowing who Busby Berkeley was. Sure. Or, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah like and uh i don't know it just like i i have a huge appreciation for for all those references now um but like i just it for some reason it just like a, it paled in comparison to muppet movie which still holds up as one of the greatest movies of all time and muppet sick manhattan which as i said i watched it a million times over and over again so like that's always going to have a place in my heart um and you know what great muppet caper is a close third which is still a pretty great place to be right yeah Thank you. Uh, now that we know the definitive Johanna's ranking of the original Muppet trilogy, that brings it down to the end for today. So, uh, listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. And uh, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And Joe, remind us again where our listeners can find you online. Uh- I would love it if you followed all of the tough, tough pigs, social media accounts. Um, but if you really want to hear what I have to say from my own fingertips, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Hennis. I do it. It's good. I recommend it. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So listeners, uh, remember also to tell all of your friends about this show and to join us again next week for another episode of moving right along. Goodbye. Right, eight episodes. Catch up to that. Eric Adams. That's a chap. That's a chap. <laughs> <laughs>